You're listening to Self Worst. This is a podcast about failure, inspiration, day jobs, bad habits, and mental health. We talk about art. We talk about spiritualism. We talk about imposter syndrome, perfectionism, meritocracy, and mediocrity. We do sometimes talk about things like sexual assault, suicidal ideation, self-harm, trauma, and whatnot. So, you know, be advised. Each week, artists, losers, dirtbags, musicians, degenerates, comedians, actors, fuck-ups, scholars, crazies, filmmakers, veterans, sluts, commies, weirdos, activists, addicts, teachers, fatties, queers, and all other types of beautiful people join me, Brad Pearson. Not a doctor. Not a therapist. Not an expert. In a discussion of what to do with this stupid sacred life are you blessed or are you cursed with a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst do you want to confide about the darkness inside come and talk about it on self-worst all right god damn it here we go another episode of self-worst hi i'm brad pearson folks i am tired I am a sleepy boy. It is still January. Uh, it's, it's apparently only been three weeks, but goddamn. How are the days so short, so far as daylight, and yet every day feels like a month? It's insane. I am just, I'm very tired. So be prepared for a. a low energy and somewhat grumpy intro to this episode. I'm sorry. Don't take it personal. I almost fell asleep today, sitting up on a log in Prospect Park. I, the sun was out. I mean, it was actually kind of a nice sunny day today. I was just so drained. I am just so tired. Should I take another COVID test? I just took one. I'm fine. I'm just tired. So sleepy all the time. This is just the lowest energy time of year. This is the Blue Monday week. We started off this week with Blue Monday, the saddest, statistically most depressed day of the year. Also MLK Day. So, you know, there is a double cause for some some stoicism some contemplation that's where we're at I don't know I guess we're just gonna be indoors forever if you haven't already gotten COVID uh, and you're just sort of waiting to it's not responsible to just be reckless and go out and get it right you can't do that That's that's ill-advised. So I guess we just stay indoors until when? Indefinitely? Forever? What's the plan here? Anybody got a plan? Somebody? Anybody? Anybody going to come do anything about this? Are we just going to live like this forever? Cool. I don't know. I feel like I need to get jolted. I need to get jolted 
out of this headspace. I'm just so like, all day. Working all day and just like, just with this like zombified look on my face. He like, do something. Get hit in the face. I don't know. Crash my bike. Something's got to spike my adrenaline. Somebody come over and just point a gun at me or something. I need to like get like like out of. I don't know. Some some stimulus. Some something. I'm just like. I feel like I've just been staring at a piece of drywall, painted white. Need to take a trip. And you know what's weird? I just took a trip. We just went home we just we was, we just got back from a trip it was like a month ago feels like 10 years ago i don't know why i'm saying all of this other than you know if, if hopefully if you're listening and you feel the same way well now you know we're all in this together and we're all just sort of like dragging ourselves through this uh, just eternal just slog of nothingness of just beige white nothingness I don't know or if you feel great right now I'm good for you you're like in your grind set or whatever awesome that's cool uh, don't talk to me about it. I don't know. Listen, folks, we are talking this week to my friend, Hope Marawa. She's a very lovely girl, very nice person. She just uh, recovered from COVID. She had a little bit of Omicron. It's fine. She's fine. She was vaccinated and everything. She's okay. She's feeling a lot better. She's all good. We took a rapid test. I'll have, I, I feel like I got to let everybody know we did a rapid test before we recorded this. Yes, we did it in person because she's my friend and she lives nearby. And so we uh, did this one in person because it's nice to do it in person. It's nice to see people in the meat space, in the real world. Dude, if I have to go through another year of doing my entire life through fucking Zoom and screens, I'm going to lose it. I can't. I simply can't. I don't know. Anyway, Hope and I had a good conversation. We talk about codependency, caretaking, and that awful feeling of being a burden to your friends, to your family, to your loved ones. So you keep it all to yourself. You know what I'm talking about? If you know what I'm talking about, then this episode is going to resonate with you, dog. So stay tuned. That's about all I got. I don't have much else to say. If you can tell by uh, what I've been saying and the tone of my voice and just uh, everything going on, 
I, I got nothing. I don't really feel like uh, giving you a long-winded uh, intro or being goofy <laughs> right now. I'm just like, it's a miracle I'm putting this out. I Okay, I'll do one nice thing for myself right now, and that will be to uh, be like, hey, Brad, good job. You're extremely tired and all you want to do is lay in bed and you get home from work and you just take off your boots and you collapse on the bed and you just sort of lie face down with your dog licking the back of your head until you just wake up later and it's 7.30, 8pm and you're like, oops, guess I, oh, I still gotta do that thing. I bet you're still doing it. You're still putting something out in the world guess that's something I guess I don't know fuck it let's go to the episode and by go to the episode I always say that why do I always say that go to the interview we're in the episode stupid let's go to the interview with my dear friend Hope Marawa Folks, we're recording in person. This is great. Yeah. This is, uh, you're, uh, I think, only the second person I've had over at my new studio, as it were, uh, which and is just sort of a... It's perfect. A, a word for a, a, an extra room in our house that I set microphones Listen, you have one whole extra room than I do, and I was immediately dazzled because I'm immediately impressed by anyone else's apartment other than mine when I enter into it. So you, you're not, you don't like your apartment. Oh no, I love my apartment. I just love everyone you're else's used to it. more. Mm. Like I'm always like, oh, look at the space, look at the decor. I mean, you guys have exceptionally amazing art, and there is a Point Break movie post- poster in the living room, That's which is true. something you don't see very often. That's true. And there was what? There was um, like Twin Peaks. Playboy in the bathroom? What was that? There's a Sherilyn Fenn uh, copy of yeah, Playboy. Yeah, which was... From, what is that, 1991? Or I don't care. Like Audrey that. Horn, Fantasy, yeah. I'm rewatching She looks Twin pretty Peaks. great. She's... She's, I mean, she looks amazing she now, looks but she, she's like in that spread. I don't know if you've seen them. They're, they're very tasteful. I they're did not indulge. Nice. I, I took a, I took a picture out on my phone that I was going to put on my Instagram story. Sure. Um, you can go look at it later. I'll look at it later. We'll, we'll yeah. save that for after. Yeah. After the pod. Sounds good. So let's start at the beginning. You're Hope Marala. I am. What made you into yourself give us some snapshots of you know formative moments well, in the childhood you're from detroit i'm from a suburb of detroit about 20 minutes south mm-hmm. but i did spend a lot of time in the city growing up because that's where my grandparents lived and my mother went to high school um i went to college in detroit and then after college i said fuck it and then i moved to the big city aka new york yeah right what made you want to come out here? I was dumb enough to get a theater degree, mm. which in hindsight, I wish that maybe I would have at least pursued like a minor in something. Right. Sure. Could have been cool. Um, I have no regrets, especially because I didn't know if I was going to go to college in the first place. But that's something we can like talk about later. But um I was like 22 and a bunch of my friends were moving to New York or had already at that point. 
And I kind of was just like working at a slider joint. I had to take like an extra semester to do an online class that was like online government, which sucked. And I was just like, you know what? If I'm going to go, let's just go. So then I did. You weren't sure you were going to go to college at first. I didn't know. My thing that happened was that at like towards the tail end of high school, my parents were getting a divorce. Ah. And with a divorce, that meant like, oh, my life is very abruptly like altered. And knowing that I wanted to go into some form of performing arts, I had a lot of other kind of life stuff that I was dealing with. So I feel like the college kind of took a back seat for a minute and figuring it out when I was just trying to be like, I'm sad all the time in right. school. And uh, but I mean, thankfully, we ended up working it out. Me and my mom figured it out. And then I owe like... <laughs> 19th grand left in student loan debt which like any amount of grand for a theater degree is kind of yeah outrageous like nobody is making money were you encouraged to uh pursue a path in in the arts i wasn't i wasn't so when i was a kid i was super involved in dancing like dancing like five days a week six days a week sometimes because i would compete and so that was like the majority of my life to the almost point where like I don't remember much of my childhood outside of dance class because I was just constantly in dance class. Any other things I was trying to do, like I would try to do sports and things like that. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I started being like, oh, I can make friends and explore other things. Mm -hmm. But leading up to that constantly dancing then I, when I was in high school, I was like, OK, sports are scary because everyone's bigger than me my freshman year. Um, that was also the first time I was in public school. So I went to a public school where I knew two people going into it my freshman year. Uh, so then I was like, oh, they're doing a musical that needs tap dancers. And I was like, I can tap dance. Maybe I can make this work. And then joining high school theater, I was like, oh, OK, now I have friends. Now I'm getting interested in singing and performing than just dancing. And then that kind of burnt me out from the dancing and I was like well theater is the best of all the worlds and hence going into theater and right. doing that but plus I liked it I loved it it was fun to like be somebody else and be weird and like I strangely really like Shakespeare so like that's always really fun to like dive into because it's so specifically an art form unto itself and I mean college kind of altered theater a little bit for me but at least the origin story of me getting into theater is like pure and nice. Were you at any point like a like a capital T theater kid like the insufferable musical? Mm, yes extrovert? and no because I've always been very self-aware. Mm. I have a very low tolerance for like theater people yeah. like I'm really bad like then I don't how know how did you throw yourself into the deep end of the theater people I just I just tolerated it I've always had so many other interests as well like I was never just like hyper focused on the theater yeah um because I just like to be busy and try and do things so maybe that's why I also like didn't find as much success in it because I just was so like preoccupied doing whatever I wanted to in that moment mm -hmm. that I just didn't focus on it but then I was also kind of like, oh, theater people can be so lame sometimes when it's like this is all we talk about and all we do. And this was also like in college when Vine was a thing, oh, RIP. Yeah. And then like there'd be like all like, you know, you're a theater kid when boop, boop, boop. And I was like, I would rather jump off of a bridge than be that person that people would associate me being. So maybe right. I was just too cool. I wanted to be too cool than to be categorized as like the theater kid. Mm. 
Right. Like Hope does theater, but like she's just not theater. Maybe that's kind of what I was going for. There are certain uh, classes of nerd that uh, sometimes I'm like low key and I don't really talk about it much, but I'm like kind of like low key pro shaming and pro bullying mm-hmm. and theater kids tend to be one well, of like, them. There's like some, any like circle that you were in when you were like younger, like there's always room for like a little bit of bullying. I think bullying yeah. kind of keeps us a little tethered to like reality a I little bit. I think so. I think it I might mean, be a little good for people in the sense. It's just like, it's like a, not like I'm not talking about like yeah. ruining somebody's life. Cause bullying is a problem, sure. but like just like you gotta, some of it, it could be like playful, like, it's almost like when you watch movies and, like, you have, like, the stereotypes and everything. Like, those are stemmed from real-life yeah. things. Even though they're over-dramatized drama, one could say. Like, they stem from real life. And I just, oh, it's almost, like, cringe when I think about, like, going to the local Red Robin at 10 p.m. And then all of a sudden we're singing show tunes against another high school Ugh. that happens to just be at Red Robin. And working in the service industry, if that were to happen to me now, I'd be like, you all have to get yeah, the fuck out. everybody. You have to leave. Like, you cannot be here. I will quit this job immediately. Like, it's it's very the cringe. Did you have cold stones? Um, oh, we got cold stones. Yeah, you got cold stones. Everybody's got cold stones. Everyone's got cold. We got a yogurt town in my hometown. I worked, I worked, my first job was at an ice cream shop. There's those fucking, like, I, it was always just sort of like a horror story for me. Oh, the singing? The singing. You have to, to like, sing if you get a tip or something. I was like, I would rather starve in the street. Oh. I'd rather I'm going to, yeah, exactly. If If someone were to be like, you have to sing, I'd be like, this is not in my job description and it's not worth it. I will pay you for me to not sing to somebody who's probably lying to me about their birthday anyways. Yeah, like, no, I'm not, I'm not getting like equity. I'm like, show me your, show me your ID, like prove it. I'm not a a union stage actor. So you're not going to tell me to sing for minimum wage. mm -mm. That's insane. No. Imagine being the kind of customer that demands that they do that. There's like, I want them to sing for the tip. You can go like, fuck yourself. What the fuck? I was never, I was I'm always saying. the kid that my mom would be like, it's somebody's birthday. And just like me mortified in the booth, mm. just being like, this is the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. See, all I wanted was the cake. I want them to bring out the cake with the, like the trick candle. Oh, I don't want them to sing. Yeah, I'll take the dessert. I've had people. They don't have to make a production out of it. One time I, oh, fuck birthday culture people. There would be people that would come to my old job in Crown Heights who would be like, and it's their birthday. And I'd be like, oh my God, me too. And they'd be like, what? And I'm like, no, I'm lying, obviously. Right. But they would be like, okay, I'm like, okay, obviously you want a free dessert. And then we would present the one specific dessert we had for them. And they'd be like, oh, we thought we were going to get the other dessert. And I'm like, you're getting a free fucking dessert. I don't even know it's your birthday because I didn't check your ID about it. But like, you're already getting a free dessert. And now you're going to tell me, you want a different free dessert? The fucking audacity. Babies. I'm like, you can you can go choke on the dessert. I don't give a fuck at that point. Like, I obviously don't choke. But yeah, see, I mean, again, bullying and shaming does have a little yeah. bit of a place. It's overdone. Yeah. Like, where it, are you going that you get to pick your own free dessert yeah. for your fake birthday at like, this isn't a fucking Applebee's. This is like a mom and pop own shop. In Brooklyn, that's like that's like a ten dollar piece of fucking pie that we made in house that now is gonna go to waste because you were like, oh, we wanted the cake instead, and I'm just like, just no, no, 
I'm not the owner. I just work here. I truly just work here. Bullying and shaming. What's your uh, experience with all of that? Were you bullied? Were you I was a lot? picked on for being a happy child, which is By who? just my peers. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was in, I went to a Montessori, which is like you have a lot of kids in different age groups in the mm-hmm. same classroom. And I always found myself kind of thrown in with the older kids, like whether it was like school or dance classes, or I mean, like even kind of now, like I kind of gravitate towards people who are a little bit older than me. I feel like a lot of our friend group is I'm like the baby, which I didn't realize until everyone was like, hope's the last one to turn 30. And I was like, Jesus, fuck, am I? And I, it just feels, it's just always been something a part of my life. And so I think, having that age difference was I made me an easy target. I also would like talk a lot and I would always be really cheerful. And I would always like, I was like the overly nice kid that would like want to include everybody. And so, and I would always dance. So I was constantly talking about dance and wearing like, I can't, I have rehearsal. Maybe I was a theater kid. Oh no. Maybe that's why I got bullied in like grade school. And then I was like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta come out of it. I'm too cool for this. But no, I was bullied for being happy and like perky like kids would call me perkus in grade school which isn't like I couldn't even tell you where the fuck it stemmed from I was like because I'm a perky child you're gonna call me perkus okay cool is that even a word no I don't think it's like percocet but like not really and I mean thankfully my high school experience was a lot better because like by then I was kind of like new in school And it was easy for me to make friends. Like my high school had this really weird thing where like everyone got along. So like I was friends with like sport people, but I also did theater and choir and I was like on the bulletins and newspapers. So I was like never in class because the teachers liked me. So like high school was a cool experience. And then I think moving to New York just made me a lot more confident in myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to like live up to anybody's expectations back home. So I was like, oh, so now I'm like authentically myself making authentic friends. But then, I don't know, I guess I bully people sometimes, but I only bully people I like. Right. That it's allowed. Right. It's how I show love. Sure. Yeah. Like, I'm never going to do, like, a super dig that's, like, going to, like, burst out somebody crying. But if someone does something stupid three years ago and I reference it now as, like, a little bit of, like, a knock you down a peg or two. Yeah, that's, like, that's, that's friendship. That's fine. That's roasting. That's... Yeah. We're roasting each other. Yeah. That's totally normal. So you work a lot in the, uh, in the, um... In food service, in service industry. Yes, that is one of my hats. Talk a little bit about that. Well, it's very interesting in the fact that, like, I love working in this industry. And then the pandemic happened. And then it made me rethink, essentially, what I was doing in this industry anyways. But also how I view people who either work in this industry or don't. Mm -hmm. It's been a very life-altering in more ways than one, just because of the pandemic. Um, like my patience is a lot thinner. Um, I'm a little bit more quick to like correct people or to cut uh-huh. them off. I had to cut off a group of teachers by 4 p.m. last Monday. What by time? 4 p.m. What time does school get out, Brad? 3 p.m. Maybe they were maybe. at they were in my bar by 2:30, and wow. maybe by four, the one was talking about how she was gonna. Like she was like, I will go outside and throw up in front of this establishment. And I was like, well, I'm not going to give you any more tequila because I don't want to clean that up. And this isn't going to become my problem because I'm off in an hour. Like 
I get it. You had a tough day. Teachers have it rough. Do you uh, do you find it easy or difficult to kind of you know put your foot down and, and stand um, up to people like that? I think it's a lot easier for me now than it used to be because mm. uh, I started working in this industry. I mean, working in Michigan in food service and working here is like a whole other beast. Uh, when I moved to New York, I immediately got a job at an Irish pub in Hell's Kitchen where I learned a lot very quickly, mm-hmm. uh, especially because I guess at 22, 23, I was still like, I still consider myself a nice person, but by definition, I think I was much more of a nicer person back then yeah. where I just like tried to see the best in every situation and the best in every person. And I was like, oh, even though maybe they're just having a bad day. And now I'm like, no, you're just a piece of shit. Like this is just what you do to ruin everybody else's lives. Um, Hell's Kitchen was definitely an experience. Working in the Irish pub scene in this state yeah. slash city is insanity unto itself. And then, I don't know, growing up in it, I feel like it made me like get a harder skin and not get so like, I don't want to say bullied. People aren't bullying me, but that is kind of it. Like customers will come in and they will be like, oh, I want this experience. I'm paying this money. So now you have to do whatever I want or request and like bend over backwards for me. And I, it's not just me. A lot of people in this industry now are like, no, that was never like our favorite thing about the customer is always right. And now it definitely is not the customer is always right. The customer is probably wrong. Yeah. Like 98%. Sometimes they're right. Don't get me wrong. I'll, I'll tell someone, I'll be like, you know what? I did put this in wrong. Like I will go get that new one for you. My bad. Like Mm -hmm. maybe I'll give them a free shot. Accidents happen. Nobody's perfect. Um, work, the, the stakes are high working in this industry right now, especially with all of the hoops and ladders and shoots we've gone through to like provide the people with their booze and alcohol and to go and to stay and having Mm -hmm. to like get vaccination statuses. And it's been a lot. And I think people don't realize just how much like their favorite establishments have had to go through to like stay open. Right let alone like stay fully staffed because a lot of people have like left this industry because they're just tired of it. Yeah. I've been yelled at more in the past two years working throughout the pandemic and I even got a new job in the pandemic. So like a whole new bar restaurant that I wasn't so used to yet. Whole different neighborhood. Right. um, Vastly different. More families, more like retired old folks that don't have anything else to do with their lives. Like it's, it's been like a learning curve, but also I feel like if anything, maybe everyone's growing from it more. I hope the uh, staff or the customers, everybody, everybody. I think that equally. it's kind of nice to watch businesses grow into this thing where they're just like, everyone's like, fuck Yelp at this point. Like we don't care about the internet reviews because anyone who's going to come in and leave a bad review, I'm like, you don't probably leave good reviews. You're only leaving bad reviews yeah. on this like world we call the internet that reflects life 24 yeah. seven for everybody now. But yeah, I've definitely gotten in a lot more quick to like correct people or be like, Ooh. it's a good euphemism correcting people. I love correcting people. That's like the, what he says in the shining. <laughs> he corrects. Them. It really is. People will still come in and just be like a huge fucking asshole, especially with the to go drink thing. Yeah. That was truly when that went away, the amount of people that would get mad at me because they'd be like, you can't just do it this once. And I'm like, no, because it's not worth me getting fired. But like, it's also not worth yeah. us getting fined. Yeah. Are you going to pay getting their liquor license? Pulled? Yeah. Which was a real thing. And people just like didn't give a fuck. And I was just like, well, I can't work remotely in this industry. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was pretty. I was upset when they repealed the the to go drink. Oh, thing we too. all were. Just because that should have already been a thing. Yeah, that, that should, should have been a thing. A thing. And then it's, it coming back is exciting. Great. But I don't think it's official Leave yet. It. It's not official We're yet. We're circling a dra- the drain as a society. We've clearly been left on our own uh, to manage this pandemic and the next crisis that befalls us. Let us fucking walk Yeah, at least get like fucking a, hammered doing it. it. Why not? And people weren't even like drinking. I could not. I don't think there was more drunks on the street in pandemic. No. But to go drinks. Like, no. if anything, everyone was like, great, I'll just drink this at home. It's cold. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's the point. Like, you're literally taking it just out of this establishment. Um, but the people would, like, yell at me for it. I'm just like, do you really need, like, go to the liquor store down the street. You're going to get more bang for your buck anyways. Right. Ugh, boy. As I'm, like, now getting other jobs that are remote, like, slowly but surely. Sure. I mean, you're <laughs> transitioning into uh, into other types of, of non-service work, which is very exciting. I'm a social media girl now, which wow. I hate so sure. much. I it's mean, a beast. What do you hate about it? I think I hate the, like, how it's, like, a constant necessary evil now to achieve any social status. In society. Right. You got to be on all the apps. You got to be on all the apps. You got to have all the promos. You have to be like, I I need people to like this. I need people to engage with it. Otherwise, it's not going to pop up. And just like, thankfully, I feel like the places that I do social media work for are very realistic when it comes to those expectations. But there's some places that are just like, you don't have to post six things six times a day. Like, nobody gives a fuck. And we're all just doom scrolling anyways. Like... I would love to be in a world where I can just like, okay, yeah, do I want to show my like shitty music I've been listening from since high school on my Instagram story? Sure. And that's my right. Like I'll post the format on there as much as I want. But like having to post like all this work stuff for my other jobs, it's like sometimes the expectation is like this is going to cure all of our problems and bring all these people in when it's it's not. It's just the reality of it. Uh, social media cannot just magically fix everything. If anything, I feel like it causes more problems. No, I think it makes things pretty much worse. I think it literally just like Facebook is destroying our democracy. Where would we be if we didn't have social media now? I don't know. I can't even think about it. We grew up with it. Like, like seriously, I mean, I got my, what my first cell phone in 20. Oh, oh fuck Christ. 2008. Maybe I was in high school. Instagram came out when I was in college and I remember that just being like stupid, like Facebook. If you were to go back and look at my old Facebook statuses of me being like going to Taco Bell, LOL, let's hang out later. Oh, yeah. No, LOL. Uh, there's nothing more mortifying than like old ass tweets and old ass like Facebook statuses. Oh. I don't even look at my Facebook anymore. I'm even older than you. I'm, I'm old as shit now. And like, so I still have a live journal account that's oh, open see, and out there I'm in the just world. Young enough that I don't have a yeah. Which I is wild. Had a, never had a MySpace. Had a MySpace. MySpace. Somehow missed MySpace, but I definitely was like really into LiveJournal and like learned a little bit of HTML to like make the text crawl and shit like yep. that. Did and you posting a lot about Lord of the Rings and shit? Did you ever get into Tumblr? Oh yeah, I got Oh, into Tumblr. Tumblr. I had a regular Tumblr for like art shit and then of course I had a porn Tumblr. Oh, I had my Tumblr was like the gateway for like dudes that well, because earlier we were talking about all of my my straight edge boyfriends that yeah. I had when I was like in college, and which wasn't anything I really intentionally like s- strove for. It just happened because yeah. 
all of my friends, again, I hung out with dudes who were older than me. So like all of my friends, their older brothers, when we were in high school, once I was out of high school, I was like, oh, it wouldn't be uncommon for all of us to like hang out and like go to shows, go to Lansing, go to Ann Arbor, like go to like the kind of like more pop punk scene at the time in like the early 2010s. And I just would like Tumblr would be like the gateway for these like dudes that kind of knew me, but didn't would mm-hmm. like slide into there was like the what the anonymous box oh my god do you remember yeah. truth box maybe not i do remember truth, truth box. box my god that was like yeah fucking wild i one of my best buddies that was one of the horniest experiences oh my god it was the thrill it was just like oh i can tell that hot girl from from my class yes that, like i i think she's hot we were all living off of that that to her it was and she won't know and like oh my god. i mean we always found out you yeah. always knew who always it was what am i when I, in the, towards the, the end of my senior year in high school, me and my boyfriend broke up because he cheated on me on Valentine's Day, which was wild. I found out about it on Tumblr, on the girls' Tumblr. On Valentine's Day. On Valentine's I mean, we needed to break up. Sure. There was a lot. It was like that relationship, my parents' divorce. We were having a, a rough time, Hope's senior year of high school. But my truth box all of a sudden was getting all these like really weird messages from like these dudes who were like, oh, Hope's single now, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I've never gotten this much attention in my entire life. And one of my really good friends at that time, he was the one that kind of like swooped in and we would hang out a lot and it felt very platonic and all these things. And I was like, oh, I think that this is him. Like you would do, there was truth box and then form spring. That was the other one that wasn't adjacent to my space. And like, I would get all these like pop punk lyrics in my form spring. And then it would be like, his away message so it was almost like he was leading me the like breadcrumb trail right. for me to realize he it was, was him being real sloppy or he was trying to it was it was like slop in. with intent right and for years because we're like so good friends now and even the, yeah he's in michigan and he for years i was like dude i know it was you i know it was you you can't deny that you were like in my form spring when we were in high where i was in high school he was in college at the time And so then finally, like two years ago, pre-pandemic, we were all at this bar together and I got him just drunk enough. And he was like, I have a confession to make in front of all of our friends. And we were like, oh, fuck what? And he was like, I was the one who was leaving those messages in Hope's Truth Box. And I was like, the vindication I felt after years and years of me accusing this man who just happened to get too drunk like off of polka cherries, which are vodka, like moonshine soaked maraschino cherries that you can get in my hometown for like 25 cents a cherry that seems like a very very polish very polish at the polish vfw hall yes where we would all go because all of my friends parents and they would work there and bartend there and stuff so we would just go and he just the thing that you would do is once you finish this huge thing of these cherries as whoever was the last one to get the cherry would have to like chug the juice that it was all soaked in and he just happened to be that one for the first time in all of our lives that we were like, oh my God, we're here when somebody finishes the polka cherries. This has never happened before. So of course, when he drowns his sorrows in that, because he was forced to, then he confesses. And I was like, wow, the the culture of which I used to love hanging out with drunk boys I had crushes on because that was when I could kind of trick them into like getting them to say their feelings for me was a high that I will never forget. Right. I mean, that that attention, oh my God. That attention at like 18, 19, because I didn't drink before college mm. i was almost straight edge myself but i just thought it was cheesy to call it that yeah when i like when you're I in high school you. like you're not yeah. supposed to be drinking or smoking anyway I so i was like yeah, i didn't I, I didn't drink or smoke in college 
or no, in high school and like half of college, but I never considered myself straight edge because I was just oh, because like, not... I was like that's fucking that's some nerd shit. Yeah. Like I I didn't want to be a part of that, but all my friends were, so I was like, oh, this is fine. No, I drink. My first time drinking was the night before one of my best friends left for college. And we had made a pact that he was like, I just want to get drunk with you once before I go to college. He was going to college. On polka cherries? No, this was like okay. at a house party. And Ooh, that's he, a hell of a way to start. He was, well, it was like a house party when like 10 of us were drinking in like our friend's parents' basement. Right. Like her parents just happened to be out of town and there was still the 10 of us. <laughs> And I was like, okay, this is fine. You're also going to college like 45 minutes away from here. This feels pretty trite in yeah. hindsight. But I had like my little seven and seven and I wasn't really feeling it. And then I looked in the corner and my ex-boyfriend is just staring at me sobbing. And I was like, oh, this is the trauma <laughs> that alcohol can bring. And then he, this is the one that cheated on me that I found about on with the Tumblr post. Yeah. And then he was so drunk and he's just like, I'm sorry. And like sobbing in my arms. And this is the first time I've really been in like at a party where people my age are like hammered. I just didn't go to parties when I was younger. And so the one point everyone was like, all right, we got to like put him in a room so he can go to sleep. Like this is this is too much. He tried to like fucking jump off the roof that night because he escaped through a window. This is the shit that happens with the Michigan youth. I mean, it was it was he would have been fine. It was not that far of a dip. But but like the the trauma of which me entering drinking underage was yeah from the start i think i probably knew better but then did i use booze and an excuse to like also make out with some boys i had crushes on maybe sure. you know we're all it's what it's for we're all young i the first time i blacked out was a another guy's it was like again ton of us hanging out it was only your friends like yeah. no big house parties in the movies and i did a jaeger bomb for the first time and then nice. I did three in under 10 minutes. Okay. And then I, <laughs> I definitely blacked out like my right. third time drinking blacked out. Cause I didn't know we were like playing beer pong with vodka shots of Smirnoff. I used to take See, fifths of Smirnoff and like, hide them like, in my cowboy boots in my closet, like wild. There's almost something to be said for people for like, you know, there's like trash parents who like will let their kids drink under supervision. Oh, cause it's like, at least they know what they're getting. It's into. in the house. Like don't, drink md 2020 mm-hmm. don't drink like don't mix this or that like stop here like do not it's do like very midwest yeah t- for that kind of drinking like i mean i remember at one of my buddies parties he they like we were like at his grandparents i wasn't there this was an i, I couldn't go for whatever reason but there was like one of those mosaic like bar lamps mm-hmm. you know when it's like all the different pieces and they're yeah. like welded together hanging over the pool table and we knew his grand like his grand i mean i'm sure his grandparents knew what we were doing but they were out of town and my friends are at this party and they found like exercise yoga balls and you know when you're like a teenager and you and your friends find those really big exercise yeah. yoga balls you're running into each other with them and yeah. bouncing all over the yeah. place well they were doing that and then the one ball hit so hard it knocked this huge mosaic lamp over their pool table off the hooks and then just fucking shattered. And then they were still able to fucking fix it and glue it all back together before the grandparents got there. The grandparents didn't know for like a decade that they were like, this is the dumbest fucking, and it's so dumb. It's so dumb. I mean, mean, my friends are fucking idiots and not even like the worst idiots. Like at least we weren't like, 
I don't know, drinking and driving, heaven forbid, sure. if we were just drinking and sitting and just being dumb fucking 19-year-olds yeah. in college. Let's talk about mental health. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about mental health. Let's go into that. So what's your journey been? My mental health journey is I'm now in therapy. Mm-hmm. What got you in there? A lot of things. Uh, started in the pandemic. Okay. So you're fairly new. Fairly new. I'm in. just over like a year. June will be two years. Was the pandemic kind of like one of the final little pushes? It, it was like, oh, I'm going to lose my mind in here. A little bit. Only because I had like toyed with the idea of therapy for a very long time. And I was like, oh, health insurance. Ooh, I don't have money. Ooh, yeah. this is kind of rough. But then when that like <laughs> unemployment back pay really hit, <laughs> really slapped three months late. Oh my God. I'm so, um, yeah. In a I mean, bulk sum. So I like bought a couch and then I signed up for BetterHelp because I think between like me rekindling a a weird relationship that has like kind of been off and on for a couple years and then like the all the protests we were going to last summer in conflict with some other things I had going on in life and like my best friend was getting married and I didn't have like a job. There was just a lot. There was a lot of stuff. And a lot of that time I spent by myself because my roommates, the one went back to Michigan and the other one back to California. So I was like, Ooh, I think instead of like stirring in the uncertainty, maybe I should like talk to somebody about some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So I found Patricia. Patricia's great. Still with Patricia. Um, We've definitely been on a journey of, now at first in hindsight most of my therapy was about me and the relationship that I was in it almost was like I was getting a two-for-one deal of like oh I can solve my relationship problems in my personal therapy session and then after me and said person broke up my therapist was like great now we can focus on you and I was like oh Jesus fucking Christ we haven't focused on just me this whole time right which is wild to think about And I was like, why didn't you stop me? And she was just like, well, you had to like stop yourself. She's very much like, she'll make me, I have to come to the realizations as opposed to her being like A, B, C, and D. That's usually. I'm like, damn, Patricia. Therapists, a good therapist will very rarely just like explicitly tell you what's happening they will lead you there but i wish so they would kind of, sometimes I know. it's and, and like i understand that You're making like, me work for it i know a lot of people who will say things like uh you know my therapist they don't give me any advice they just fucking all say how i'm feeling and they just sort of like reflect how i'm feeling back at me and there's like sounds like you're feeling really frustrated with your job because you don't make a whole lot of money, but you don't know what else you can do. And I was like, yeah, that's yeah, what I I'm saying. Yeah, I just fucking told you. She'll but just let me talk. Every time somebody has that complaint, like my response is always the same. Like, have you told your therapist? Like, you're not telling me anything. You're just reflecting things back. Mm-hmm. And they're always like, oh, no. yeah, right. No, you could. You could. Yeah. You could, like, the thing, like... If Throw the it thing back at them. Yeah, if a thing isn't going well, this is a PSA to everybody listening. If you're at kind of, like, an impasse with your therapist, maybe you have to get a new one, and that is always a possibility. And Not that's fine, too. you got to shop. Yeah. The shopping is the For sell. Sure. People don't want to shop. It's they hard. want an instant fix. Well, and it's hard because just because, like, all the fucking, like, insurance red tape and shit, like, it takes so long to get yeah. set up with one in the first place, blah, blah, blah. But... Um, short of ending the the relationship with the therapist, you can always just bring it to them and just be like, I, this, what we've been talking about and what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks, it's not 
working, working for me. For me. I, yeah. Can we try a different approach? Mm-hmm. Can we do something more goal oriented? Can we yeah. do something I like that? I take notes like, now oh, yeah, totally. before I go into therapy. I'll like, cause I do bi-weekly. So like every two weeks yeah. I'll do it. And I'll like, I have like a note in my phone of being like, okay, this is what I wanted. This is what I've experienced. This is what I want to bring to the table in therapy and talk about whether it's like good or bad or like a realization or a reflection. And that's like, that's a game changer for me. Cause I don't know if you know this, I can talk a lot Mm -hmm. and I can get very sidetracked very quickly. Mm -hmm. And the next thing I know my 50 minutes is up and I'm like, Oh fuck. Like we didn't touch on anything that I wanted to touch on because Patricia's really great at just letting me talk through it. And then she's like, okay, now we can like go back. But yeah, taking notes is great. Going into therapy, I feel like that's helped me a lot. Um, I've started meditating. Oh, hell yeah. What which kind was, of meditation are you doing? I do the meditation where I lay on the floor mm-hmm. and I try to do, I was doing 10 minutes a day. Now I try to do 15 minutes a day and I'll have like a guided meditation for my breathing. Because if I don't have like kind of like an instruction, I get over it very quickly. And I just, I'm like, ah, I did it for two minutes and I'm fine. But like instruction is nice to the point now that I'm like self-aware of like, if I'm not meditating, I can see how much it like kind of throws me off track a little bit. And even Patricia will be like, have you been meditating? And I'll be like, no. And she's like, well, is that why we're feeling some of the things that we're feeling? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe. And then it always is one of the reasons. Because as soon as I get back on meditating, I'm like, oh, this is, this was, this is probably one of the reasons I was like freaking out a little bit. Right. Um, Because I have this thing called high functioning anxiety, Uh which really. Tell us about that. Well, it's, it's something that we're exploring. I kind of recently brought it up to her because depression does run in my family. Mm -hmm. Very wild. I would go as far as saying I'm the only one who, and we've talked about this too. And she was like, well, I wouldn't categorize you as somebody who has depression because she was kind of like, you're, you're like self-awareness is very much there. Like I could be really going through it but I will still have that like self-awareness of like pulling myself back to reality and like not getting trapped in my own negative thoughts and feelings, which, um, and she was just kind of like, she's very much just like, I don't want to like go forward thinking that it might be this thing unless we have like the groundwork to have a reason to think for this and then going forward from there. So there is a history of depression in your family. History of depression in my family. What's that been like? How does that manifest itself? Um, It manifests itself from like, I've, feel like watching the way that my family members will deal with things sometimes makes me very hyper aware of like other people in my life and how they manage their depression. I've been told that I usually take on a caretaker role almost to a fault Mm. where I feel like it's like, Oh, I have to be the one to like fix everybody's problems and like try to help them through everything almost to the point where I'll put myself on the back burner. Was that your role in your immediate family when you were younger? Yeah. And I would even say still now, like I will be the one that like when anyone, I mean, it's mostly just me and my sibling because my father or my my mother, because my father, since the divorce, me and my father do not have the best relationship. So I kind of distanced myself from him. But when it comes to like my mom and my younger sibling, like I'll be the first one that they kind of will like call or like text and be like, oh my God, this, 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 and this, and this, and this, almost to the point where it's like everyone's kind of like throwing their their stuff at me as in a like, how do I fix this? Which is fine. But if I'm the one that's like kind of going through it, it's almost not accessible on the flip because I don't want to put them uh, that on them when I know that they're already dealing with a lot of stuff. 
uh, which has also been something we've been working through with therapy. But with having high functioning anxiety, it's kind of been like I'll get in my head very quickly. And before I didn't really have the tools to kind of work through it to the point where I would fester in it and then it would get worse and worse and worse. And then to the point where like my self-confidence is really low or especially when it comes to like dating right now is abysmally not fun. And coming out of a relationship where there was like a lot of codependency and then recognizing those things that like went wrong in that relationship and trying to not define that again. And these new endeavors of people I'm trying to date, it's just like, well, damn, I, I don't know. I, I get in my head a lot, which is crazy because a lot of, I feel like our friends will tell me that I've, I come off very authentically myself and with like this air of confidence. Mm-hmm. Whereas in my own head, I'm like, Oh fuck, no, no. Like second guessing and, I even had like performance anxiety when I was in high school. Like I could not take tests to save my life. Mm. And my teachers would be like, you know, this material, what is the problem? And I'm like, it's, it's the pressure of the tests. It's the pressure of the audition. It's the pressure to perform and take on this role with this other, with this other person. Like I'm really bad with commitments. Yeah. And it's cause like that pressure that's, there to be the like standard of it i'm just like oh nope i don't know if i have that in me so i'm going to avoid it at all costs instead knowing myself i came across just this week speaking of social media on twitter i was just uh just scrolling and somebody posted uh a joke about you know those like what were they called time tests uh where it was just like a bunch of short multiplication Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like the math ones. Four? What's seven times four? You had What's five minutes six? to do like a yeah. hundred basic math things. And the, the level of anxiety, like childhood anxiety that came rushing back into my head yeah. from that, like the that altered the course of my life, like taking those tests and being so flustered and feeling so stupid and like looking over at my, uh, my, my, my classmates and they were just zipping right through them because they had memorized yeah. it. And they were and just like, like, Oh I fuck, I can't do this. And I, and I can't pull use, it off. I was trying to use my fingers. I was trying to use like touch points on the, on mm. the letters. And I well, once you psych yourself out too, like it's yeah. once you're in that headspace. I mean, over. even like, and I've always been like, once I like, I have it and I know that like auditioning sucks, but like once I would be like stupid enough to get the role, like then I would feel super comfortable because like the stakes aren't high anymore Yeah, because I'm not like competing for this one thing. It was the same thing. Like I had to take, oh my God, I had to, t- <laughs> in pandemic, I got my food handler's license. Mm-hmm. Insane. And everyone is just kind of like, why are you studying so much? And I was like, no, I have to, because as soon as I take this test, I will rush through it, half reading it because I just want to get it over with. And if I don't know the material, like people are like, it's common sense. And I'm like, yes, it is common sense. But if I don't take the actual work to try to figure it right. out, I will fucking fail this because I know how I take tests. And that's part of the anxiety is feeling ill prepared, no matter how much I prepare, which is what I mean, like, which is great for theater school, you know, when you have to like rehearse and audition and like memorize all these things. It was the same. And like, I remember in chemistry, I like passed chemistry with a C plus. And my teacher was like, how do you memorize this stuff when you do theater, but you can't memorize a periodic table. And I was like, beats me because I'm not getting graded when I memorize these lines that go this on stage. Table's fucking boring. But also I don't care. Yeah. Like I, I do artsy shit. Like I'm not going to get any job with science, oh, look, chemistry, look math, math. Yeah. I was awful. And I almost failed math because this teacher hated me because I was a theater kid. 
because I would always miss class. Right. And he was just like, hmm, wow, you have all these tardies. Technically, I need to fail you. He was like, you need to go to the office. And I went to my advisor instead. And she was like, what the fuck? You're excused at all of these times. And I was like, yeah, thank you. Will you fix it for me? And then she did. And she was like, you have this teacher next semester. Do you want that? And I was like, no. And so she took, she's the only reason that saved my GPA was because I was going to have to take more math courses. And she was like, I don't need these technically your senior year. Nobody like, who cares? I don't know who cares. Like, I don't know who's moved, who's like really pushed to learn the like atomic number of barium or whatever. Which is why, I mean, I feel like isn't like maybe the letters B.A. I couldn't tell I you, could so. not tell you. Maybe I It's thinking about school in hindsight, because I always like strove to be a, like a good student, too. Mm-hmm. Like maybe one could say I was a little bit of like a goody two shoes when I was younger. I wasn't the bad girl we all know and love today back in the day maybe that is why i got a little bit bullied it was just like uh hope's lame which is fine now it's cool to be lame too much of a dork a little too much of a dork i much like you was uh theater i was in theater but i was not really a theater kid Mm -hmm. i was like adjacent and i was in a lot of high school plays and stuff and i really liked it um i was really into it like i had i had sort of changed courses uh, was in marching band and stuff and it was just like, oh, yep, because nope, it was the same theater. friends, same kids. Theater is the thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I rem- I'll never forget, it was, I think, my senior year. Uh, we all got inducted into the National Thespian Society, mm-hmm. whatever that means, which is like literally everybody, anybody who You get like a varsity letter. Play, yeah, you get a little thing. You yeah. get a little, and you get a feeling like jacket. it's like a thing. But um, so part of the initiation ceremony is like they get at the the whole theater department together mm-hmm. and everybody who's getting inducted has to uh has to recite a shakespearean monologue of your choice okay and so i had this big thing plans um like i was gonna run through this big like i had i had it memorized I had this, like, all the stage directions. I was going to, like, really, like, crush it. Mm-hmm. And then I got up there and I forgot it. Yep. And walked off stage. Like, not even to the wings. I jumped off the bib of the stage out. You were like, the, I got to go. I just left, like, out straight through the fucking aisle. Yep. Like, out the back door. And was just like, oh, okay. So that's, like, I don't perform. I am, like, I'm, and that's not, okay. I'm not on stage. Yeah. Like, it, like, it was so rough. That I don't think I ever like got on stage with, like with a microphone for like years after that. It was that's. It was I mean, that's rough. I, yeah. If anything, I feel like since I've started like hosting and doing things, it's almost made me more confident as a person with anxiety. Yeah. Like it's almost like if I have a microphone in front of me, I feel untouchable. Especially like when I'm hosting trivia or bingo and I'm like, I'm inserting myself to be the center of attention, which is different because I'm the one putting myself there. Right. As opposed to if like, oh no, all of a sudden now I'm the center of attention. I didn't plan this. That's when I get really embarrassed and I get very in my head. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, I want to be anywhere else Whenever but here right to now. A, to a comedy show or whatever with Caitlin, like we, we never sit in the front row because like her, she's like mortified mm-hmm. of the idea of like getting like called like, you know. A, a, a comic doing crowd work or something and yep. like putting the spotlight on her and or just being like, Ugh! Oh, like she can't. I so. stumbled into like a friend of a friend's comedy show that she was doing that was like running a little bit late. And I was like, Oh, how can I help you? And was like just starting helping her set up. And she was like, Oh, well, do you want to just like be the like DJ, like person I'll like bounce off of. And I was like, yeah, sure. Fine. Whatever. Like I've done it before. 
And I, there was a technical difficulty and she was like, oh, go up there and do like three minutes. And I was like, oh, fuck, I haven't done that. I've done very little stand up. Mm-hmm. I like storytelling. Storytelling, I think, is different than stand up. Yeah. Because stand up, like you're living off of the laughs. Like that's what you need. With storytelling, you're just crafting the story that you mostly already lived in real life. And maybe you're embellishing some things. Yeah. Uh, but comedy is scarier because also everyone has like more of an opinion when you're doing comedy as opposed to like storytelling, which yeah. maybe makes sense. It makes sense in my head, like the difference between it. So I got up there and I was like, oh, fuck. All right. Well, who what's there to know about me? I was like, I like meatloaf. I'm from as in like the, the singer and like right. I am uh, from Michigan and everyone I ever meet is from Connecticut and New York. And there was this guy who performed who was like kind of like not heckling me, but he was like just giving me something to work with. And then he like ended up asking me out in front of everybody. And I was like, oh, this is my literal worst nightmare. Did you say yes? I told him if he landed, I can't name this person by name because he'll probably end up listening to this. Okay. I was like, if you land a kickflip after the show, I will give you my phone number. Not thinking that this grown man would go to his car to get his skateboard to come back to the bar to make all of his friends go outside to oh, he was down bad, huh? watch this thing that happened. Yeah. And then he landed it on the third try. And I was like, oh, fuck. As my roommate was like, we got to go. And I was like, fuck, here's my number. I'm a woman with my word. Left. Did you specify that he had to do it on the first try? No. Oh, it was the fine go. details. Well, it was yeah. worse was because I was like actually talking to his buddy after the show and I was like, oh, wow, this this guy's really hot. We have really good chemistry. And then, of course, I found out he had a girlfriend and I was like, oh, well, whatever. They always do. But right. yeah. And then I. Yeah. So like that was very embarrassing for me on the spot. But because I had the microphone, I was like, oh, but I could still like make this work. If that had just happened to me as like an audience participant, I would have wanted to immediately just melt into that seat and never show my face ever again. Right. So your high functioning anxiety, it tends to uh, rear its head a lot in, uh, in what aspects of your life? Sounds like it happens a lot in dating. More when it comes to dating. What are the thoughts? More of like, I haven't like coming from Michigan. Most of my friends are already like, in relationships Mm. or like about to get married or married. And it took a long time to undo a lot of the culture that like, I wasn't following that path, which I always, even when I was younger was like, I don't think this is my path. Like in Michigan, it was very much, especially when I was in high school, that was kind of like the peak of like teenage pregnancy again was Mm -hmm. like really popping off. Juno had just come out. Team mom was on MTV. I think once me and my friend were like going through our yearbook in college and we were like, oh, my God, all there is this X amount of pregnancies that like happened when we were in high school, which was kind of like jaunting in hindsight to be like, oh, this is purely a reflection of our sexual education curriculum. But then moving to New York, I was like, oh, now I'm surrounded by all these people who are like not immediately getting married or like don't have six kids at this point in life. Like, I mean, of like uh, within our social circle only now is like people getting married. Yeah. Which is in like every, I mean, I know as like the baby at 30, I'm just kind of like, what is this? But it's, it's almost like it's not the forefront of like the path of people. So moving here definitely helped with those anxieties because most of my long-term relationships have blown up in my face. Um, I've probably, why do they usually blow up? Usually I think it's more of like me pushing myself past 
my comfort to be like, this is love. You got to find the middle ground, like the give and the take. But it's more of like my doing the giving and them taking, whether they realize it or not. And then having to come to the conclusion of like, oh, this isn't healthy. Like this isn't like things like love bombing is a huge thing where in my past relationship, I was constantly in communication with my partner. So you were the one doing the love bomb. Well, no, it was like a sense of, I don't want to put them on blast in case they hear this, but uh, we were both going through a lot of things. We were also in the middle of a pandemic. Um, There was things like, we'll say more tendencies to like self-medicate with alcohol was Mm -hmm. definitely president, which has never really been my thing. I've never been one to drink when I'm like sad or going through it. Um, especially at this stage in life. Maybe when I was younger, I'd be like, oh, I blew that final. I'm going to go drink a bottle of wine now. I'm 21. It's like drinking grape juice. But now I'm like, oh, two Budweiser's and I'm hungover. Like I got to be more picking and choosing when I'm trying to get drunk. And having to watch somebody who wasn't taking their mental, mental health seriously and taking steps, any steps to like try to reassess and get on a path of making things better Whereas I was like entering therapy and I was kind of recognizing these things and I wasn't trying to force this on said person, but I was like, listen, like we gotta, we gotta figure some things out because this is not a path that I like signed up for, uh, emotionally or like mentally. And then eventually just got to like a really bad tipping point and I had to like pull myself out of the situation because I was just like, I can feel myself getting pulled into it and I don't know if I'm going to be like strong enough to get myself out. I knew that I couldn't get the both of us out of it. So I chose myself in that situation, which is hard. And then especially in a pandemic, like having to take the time to be like, okay, like we're going to take a back seat and like maybe not date for a second. Listening to all of my friends and their horror stories of being like, oh, pandemic dating is just really bad right now. I mean, one of our friends went out with someone who on the third date found out they had a fake vax card and she literally, (laughs) I'll tell you, I'll tell you who it was later, but she was just like, I got to go and just literally left. And I was like, Oh, that's the fucking shit we're dealing with. And now it's kind of in the culture of me being like, okay, well it's okay to like casually date. Like I can just date people and not have it like mean anything. As long as you enjoy each other's company, that's great. And as long as the communication is there also of like what you expect from the other person is very important. Uh, And what you expect from yourself and what you're willing to give, even if you're not in a relationship is like, Oh, like, I need X, Y, and Z for this to continue. Otherwise I'm going to get in my own head about it. And then it's, it's, it's almost like, how is this serving me? I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe like being more readily willing to accept what I need as opposed to like just being with somebody, I think is a big Mm -hmm. thing that I'm realizing in hindsight now. What do you need? What do you want that you're, that you haven't been able to, uh, I think finding someone that's more of like a partner Mm. as opposed to like, I do end up being like either the caretaker role, which Mm -hmm. I don't like. I do think that there's give and take and being like bringing each other up and being there for the other person. But when, when someone is like sucking all of that energy from you and they don't have the capacity to give some of it back or like be there for you and they're not taking whatever steps that they can to try to make it leveled out is exhausting. Uh, and that's something that I've had like a hard time finding chemistry that kind of has somebody like, I can't, it's like the, like, uh, how do you put it? You know, when you like, you got some friends that are just like, oh, I can't keep a relationship. And it's like, well, look at the choices that you're like, you're making in your life and the way that you carry yourself and 
you're not presenting yourself in your best form of like being willing to accept being somebody's other and like being there for them in the sense it's like it's not more just like oh I like drop them off at the airport or things like that it's more of just being like a team player going through it together with open communication and open um ness of what to expect from the other person as opposed to being like lied to and like told what you want to hear so that they can get you to stay and like not leave them because if they're like creating stakes of like well if you leave I don't know what I'll do with myself like that's a lot of yeah pressure lot to, put to put on, on somebody. somebody you shouldn't really I don't think it's really much of a relationship is you're putting too much pressure on the other person for your own happiness right I I have some I've experienced some like friends in the past that are like I put my all into that relationship. I gave them everything that they, that I have. And I'm like, how I've never been the person to like do that. Yeah. I've never lost myself in a relationship to the point that I was like, it's the end all be all if this doesn't work out. Yeah. Like you still have to have your sense of, no, that's not healthy. That's fucked yeah, up. Yeah. It's, it's the codependency of yeah. it. Like you can be together and like still have your own separate lives mm-hmm. too. Like you don't always have to go, to all the things together it's like oh well i can't bring such and such so i don't want to go like it's and that's a relationship that you have that you do want to go to things together that's fine but what i'm saying is is like if you can't function fully without this other person i've never been able to be that person and i feel like a lot of the times i get sucked into um somebody being so codependent on me that it's almost this unsurmountable pressure that i'm also putting on myself because i don't want to fuck it up And I don't want to hurt them in the process. And if I do fuck it up, how is that going to hurt them in the process? So it's a lot of, a lot of pressure, I guess. But that's also, yeah, something that we all could be working on and like checking in with ourselves and our own comfort levels. Like I've had, I've gotten myself in some, not deep water, but in the position where I'm dating these people casually and then I can very quickly realize that like they're into me more than I'm into them. And at that point, there's like an off balance because I'm like, well, I don't want to leave them on. But I also like I don't know yet. And there's that uncertainty. And I've had friends that's like, oh, you look for any reason to break up with somebody because I'm usually quick to be like, well, if I don't like this person like this, I don't want to raise their expectations that I think something's right. going to come from that because that doesn't feel fair if I'm very self-assured at how I'm feeling. And they'll be like, well, you don't know. You look for any reason to break up with them anyways. Like, just give it a chance push yourself out of your comfort zone and then anytime I've ever done that I'm just like oh no now I'm in too deep and this person really cares for me and now it's gonna be now more I'm of an really, upset right now I'm really gonna have to hurt this like person. more of an upset because I was just like which is why I mean like I guess have now ever, like moved in with somebody or no, like cohabitated anything no like that? I've never lived with a partner well that was one of the ups that one of the big upsets. word of advice don't do that <laughs> It well, sucks. I've had so many friends that move in so quickly and I'm just like, I love my own personal space. Yeah. I love having, that's the, the thing. Like, I think it's a really big step to move in with somebody. And that was the point where me and my ex-partner were, he was supposed to move in with me two weeks, two weeks out. He was going to move in with me and I had hit my breaking point and I was like, I'm not comfortable with you moving in He anymore. was going to move in with you within yes. two weeks. Of within two weeks of me deciding that I was like, I think we need a break. I think we need to reassess some things. And him not giving me that space and the boundaries to like get my yeah. own thoughts in order because he was already convinced that he was going to lose me. I was like, well, now I have to end it right. because you're not respecting what I need. You already did, bro. You already did, you bro. Already and I was like, oh boy, what a, that, what a wild time. Because for everyone to be like, 
oh, do, do, do. And I'm like, oh, no, we broke up. Like, that's especially also like don't date your coworkers or something. Oh, he's a coworker. He was a previous coworker who we weren't working together anymore. And in my head, I kind of made sense that I was like, oh, maybe this is enough separation. And oh, no, I still have regulars that I'll see now that are like, so what happened? And I'm just like, I don't want to fucking tell you what happened. It's not your business. But because they know both of us and it's like almost an act of being coworkers with somebody yourself is like a show for people that come to your bar most of the time. Like it got very, very rough. So, but thankfully I'm therapy. Therapy. Therapy is great. Meditating is great. Journaling is great. Mm -hmm. I've weirdly got super into tarot. Interesting. Which is also something that my, I asked my therapist about and she was like, she was like, you know, like if you're into it and it's helping you like figure things out, she was like terror in like in a safe environment and in a safe like mental headspace. She was like, it's fine. Like it's cards. It's right. cards. And I realized in like the big reality is like it are car- it's cards. Are you an astrology person? Yes and no. I know that I'm a very hard Aries and I've always been told that like I'm a very obvious Aries and I kind of like to lean into that joke a little bit. But other than that, I don't know freaking dick about birth charts. I don't know any of it. Mm. I'm just kind of I I do get drawn to Leo's a lot, which sounds very weird. I think it's just like a weird fact about me is it just always feels like all these dudes I end up dating are Leo's and then they all blow up in my face. And I'm like, so I don't know. Maybe there is like. A know. weird chemistry. This, but that's the thing. It's I, yeah. all, every person is different. Yeah. And then like every other year, they're just like, now there's this new horoscope See, sign. I can't, I can't fucking do it. Like, I'm just like, I, I feel like I'm one of the only people I know who's like not into astrology and thinks it's just like, it's not. I think it's interesting. It and I think it's a fun like hobby. And if someone wants to, I mean like Callie will sit there and tell me my birth yeah. chart and I love it because I'm just like, oh, that's fun. But it's like, the reality is just like, uh, you just got to take it as what it is and it's fun. And that's what kind of what it is with tarot where I'm like, it's more of a thing that I'm learning. So it's mm-hmm. like a task that I can focus on, which is mm-hmm. great. Hobbies are also really great. If you're feeling really rough from like getting out of a relationship, it's really good to like dive into something weird you're into yeah. and just spend a lot of time in it, probably away from your phone. Like don't look at your socials as soon as you break up with somebody because it's probably them trying to get a hold of you in any fucking channel that they can, which also really can fuck with your head. And wow, setting boundaries. Who would have thought? So important. Boundaries are very difficult and they can be difficult to set if you've never, if, if for whatever reason, what I've found is if you are, for whatever reason, could be from a parental figure, could be from just like society, just, just kind of growing up shitty. Um, if you're invalidated, if you're made to feel like what you are and who you are and what you need doesn't really matter mm-hmm. and you get that in your head, then then you just don't stand a chance with setting boundaries because yeah. everything that you might want, you will second guess yourself. And then the second you get any pushback, you're like, you know what? You're right. Oh, because it, the the fear is so omnipresent that just like what I want is stupid. Yeah. The in like the indecisiveness, I can be so indecisive about shit. And I really feel like the only time I was ever like making the choices is when the person, whoever I was making the choices with, where I was like, well, you're incapable of doing this. So I have to be the one that has to do it. 
And it's almost like taking that stance of being like, no, 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 I know where I'm at in life. I can put my needs on the back burner in order to like deal with this scenario and this person and their problems. But that's also not having boundaries. Right. It's so, it's like the, again, which is Patricia being like, she was like, I think you assume these caretaker roles because you have to in that moment. And then you get stuck at it. And then she was like, but then who's taking care of the caretaker? And I'm like, oh, fuck you. I'm like, why do you got to say shit that makes sense? Which in the moment it doesn't because I'm more preoccupied about the other person as opposed to like how I'm going to come out of this. Have you ever felt like here's a situation where I actually am being cared for and this person is like really taking care of my needs, holding space for me? I think I'm finding more value in that in my friendships coming out of this relationship. Mm -hmm. Like... Some of, I think because I was also putting so much time into the relationship and trying to handle all the things that were going on with like our life and my own separate life, like my friendships kind of got put on the back burner a little bit and the like welcomeness of like my good friends willing one talking me through it and like reaffirming me that like me making the choices that are making are important for me, myself and I, they were like, you got to focus on you now. Like, yeah don't don't do the they were like it's okay to be selfish but like the I feel like in my friendships especially right now have been the people that are like oh we're here for you like these are the more and they always have been it's just sometimes I know people will sit there and prioritize their relationships over their friendships where I think that friendships are equally as important if not more important Mm -hmm. because those are the ones who are going to be there whether this other person is or not and most likely they were probably there before the person entered and they'll most likely still be there if that person leaves. How does that feel when you have um, somebody offer that to you? Do you, Are you able to take them up on it or do you have trouble feeling like, because I have trouble feel, like, feeling this way that I'm, I'm burdening people? Yes, the burdening is a thing. I don't, I think I get better now at being like, hey, can I like talk to you about this or this thing that I'm having a really bad day? Can I like, can you lend me an ear? I think it's more of like, I feel like if I check in with it, it's more of like me feel like I'm not burdening them because they're like welcoming me to talk to them as opposed to being like, I know you're in the middle of something and I'm going to send you like seven really long text messages because I'm really going through it. Because that's like taking them off guard if they might not be in a mental space to do that. And I'm I'm better at it now. I've always been very self-reliant, which I think also stems from like me having the inability of like giving too much of myself to somebody because then I'm worried like I can't get that back. Um, but it is like, I mean, I'm very blessed to have friends who are willing, who were willing to like be there for me a lot more than I ever thought that they would be there for me when I was going through it. So a lot more, I put a lot more effort into my friendships. now. I think above everything else, which is also great for them. Like, I mean, if I'm going through it with like, trying to date and I'll just like all of a sudden like delete all my all my apps and I'll just be like cool so if I'm like feeling lonely I'll like make plans to go see a movie with somebody that's already in my life that I care about as opposed to being like oh I'm bummed because this guy hasn't texted me back in three weeks or I haven't seen the person I've been seeing for three weeks um I'd rather prioritize the people who are already in my life that are going to stay in my life as opposed to like some blip of a moment of like ah, I could turn into something or it might not but like friendships are I went through a bad breakup. Uh, you know, we were cohabitating and everything. And mm-hmm. it was like really, you know, like I, I was the one who pulled the plug. And, um, and it's so hard to pull the was, plug. Yeah, it sucks. It's so hard to be the um, one where you're like, 
I'm not the one that's super struggling right now, but like I can't be a part of this anymore. Yeah. And it was, this was seven years ago and I still sometimes think about like how badly I fucked up just triaging and, and helping myself after that point because mm-hmm. I white knuckled it. I didn't reach out to anybody and talk about it. Oh, really. wow. And that can be I, a very lonely. It's fucking sucks. That's a fucking hard place was, to be. I had to move out of that apartment that we were in. I moved into this place in um, in like Sunset Park. Uh, I was living in kind of like an extra room that was off the hallway. Like okay. You got to step out into the hallway. And to get into the extra. Into the apartment. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, with this like. Nice, good, nice dude. Super nice guy. Yeah. Uh, There's like middle-aged divorcee though. We had like nothing in common. I just found him on Craigslist and he was just you were like, like, you yeah, have a room. And you I'm were like, a, I'll take I'm the room. I'm a divorced history teacher. And uh, yeah, you want the room? And I was like, yeah, sure. I sure. need a place to live. I don't Great. want to be homeless. And was just like sitting there just like eating like Chinese takeout every night and like had room enough for like my suitcase and like a twin bed and was just like, I had like one friend over. Um, that entire time and he like took one step into the room and was like you gotta get the fuck yeah, out yeah you gotta um, yeah you have the to isolating it can be very isolating because it's like you're so self-aware and then being like well I don't want to become somebody else's problem yeah. and it's like no like this is the time when you should be but like that's hard that's it, a hard it, pill like, to swallow I just couldn't like because I was over 30 already at that's the right. time that's okay Um, I was over 30 at the t- I think I had just turned 30 I was about your age oh, Um gosh, shut and uh, I fucking, I was so concerned with how people would see me as this guy who was just always having like girl trouble or something. Yeah. And I was like, all my friends are so much more grown up and they have like, they're so much more, they have this more figured out. And like, if I mm-hmm. keep coming to them with all of this shit, I'm just like, I'm so sad about this. I couldn't figure out this. Then like like then they're just not going to want to be around. Yeah. It's almost like admitting your own failures and it's just like, see, I am fucking it up or like, see, I am doing that when you don't want to like be in that light of your friends of like the failure, you want to see your friends for all the good thing. But I mean, it's also great to call your friends out on their bad shit too, which I personally love to do. Oh yeah. Someone's being like shitty. I'm like, Hey, maybe like don't be a piece of shit. You know, I'm also really bad at that. Oh, I've, I've gotten better i don't like do it like that like if it's really becoming an issue i'll be like hey like you gotta maybe some i would expect anyone to do the same thing to me if if i was being an asshole like please ever happens no i don't think so i well i did the same thing i i will say with this past relationship i think i realized when i was really getting in too deep was when i started having very similar feelings to how I was feeling when like my parents were getting divorced and I was going through my issues with that relationship with the guy that dumped me on Tumblr or that I found out via Tumblr because that was the first time in my life that I was like, Oh, all this like kind of like heavy shit's going on and I don't have anybody to talk about it about it. So I was very, um, to the point where like my teachers were taking me aside and being like, girl, you good. Like we're noticing some shit. We're worried about you. And I was like, I didn't realize how to like reach out back then because it's like you're 17, 18. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what the fuck's going on in the world yet. But yeah, it was this relationship when I started to go back into that mindset. I was like, ooh, I think this might only with time could I have realized like I don't want to get back into that kind of mindset shit. So I was like, oh, remember when I said I was going to cry on your podcast? You did it. We got I it. Did. We got tears, folks. 
We did it. Wow. Crying is great, though. An hour 11 in, and we finally got some <laughs> tears. Christ. You know, you're one of my first guests to actually cry. <gasps> oh, my so, God. An honor. This crying is, is beautiful. Yeah, this is, no, this is great. We're 115 episodes in, and we finally got a cry, oh, folks. Oh. Hell yeah. It's because I had all that coffee today. Ah, my fourth cup. No, I love it's it. It's because I swabbed my nose to be in the studio, That's and I true. really pressed too hard. And I'll no. have everybody listening know that we both COVID tested uh, before. You know, the, we're we're doing everything right. I know. We're, we're so which is good. crazy because the last time I saw you, I was essentially maskless yelling at you and Caitlin's face at a busy bar, and then lo and behold, I was one of the ones to be like, I got it, and yeah. y'all were like unscathed. Yeah, we somehow we were just like we're like matrix dodging fucking Which covid is, droplets i, I mean, don't know same with my roommate it. i mean it's fucking wild like we were we were all at that party and just some of us didn't get it i don't know it, i think okay did you get pfizer or moderna i'm i'm triple moderna triple moderna and you still got it interesting because i we're triple moderna and we had like a working theory that maybe like the moderna was that's what i thought too but i mean i don't know i have so many jobs but I don't, yeah i work you at also, so many yeah. bars yeah. That was that's why I get tested weekly is because I was like I'm in so many spaces around so many different people, like three of my coworkers and my other job got it around the same time as me. A bar that I hosted, half their staff was out. I was like everywhere I was, I was like, I was in therapy when I got a text from one of our friends who was at the party, being like the first one to be like I tested positive. Oh, I just yeah, looked at first, Patricia and I was like the first domino. I was like, there's no fucking way I don't have it. And she was like, well, you don't know. And I was like, no. I guarantee, I guarantee. I, oh, got- I was certain we had it. Oh, yeah. I don't know how we did it because we had to leave. We, we all started finding out about that on like, what, Wednesday? And we had to leave for Nebraska on Saturday. Yeah. And we were just like, it was well, so fuck. stressful. And- that Wednesday. No, because that, that morning I was like, I was feeling fine. I went and got tested. I went to my local lab queue. I went home because yeah. I was like, I have therapy at one. And then as soon as I saw that text message, I was like, ooh, maybe I'll just day home until I get my results because I just had this really weird feeling and then that night I started showing symptoms and I was like fuck and then I took a rapid the next day and that came back positive but my original test came back negative yeah somebody was like we think you just got it like tested just too early yeah and then of course I did like a lab corp and I like mailed it in and they were like oh you got it and I was like great you're calling me on my ninth day of isolation and they were like oh no we're not following this isn't COVID tracing. We're just making sure you don't have any questions. And I was like, I'm good. No That's COVID tracers. It's such a slippery motherfucker. No COVID. No. Cause there's no way to report if you have COVID unless it's like through an official PCR. Like I have like the app that was like sending me the, like you were within this many distance. There's like no easy way to be like, hello, fellow human. I tested positive for COVID through this way at these, these points. And there's no way to document yeah. it. Well, and there's no way to, like, with the home test, you can't, there's no way to actually oh. prove that. And that week, too, to, was... How would they know that you didn't... Fucking wild. Like, yeah. anyone... Tra- I'm so glad I didn't travel. I was like... I'm, I'm looking at everyone's Instagram stories, like, hour five, waiting to get tested. Or, like, there's... I paid $40 yeah. for COVID test the Tuesday before I got tested Wednesday. I and smuggled it was, a bunch of them back. Yeah, I was texting all of my friends in Michigan. I was just like, y'all, I was like, it is popping off in New York right now. And I know how people in Michigan love to see their families on the holidays. So I was like, maybe just grab some tests while you're out as many as you can to your comfort. Because I was like, if this is what it's like now and it's total fucking chaos, I was like, that's going to hit 
everywhere else within two days. Mm-hmm. Not to be like New York is the center of everything. It's it just the though. center of COVID. It, like yeah, it really it's, is. It's the center of fucked up uh, infectious diseases. And I told my friends and they were just like, well, we have to pay money out here for it. And I was like, well, I don't know what to, to have. Merry Christmas to Grandma Susie that you can't see because your shitty cousin that didn't get yeah. tested. Oh, my mom's boyfriend has COVID right now. Great job. Well, he's was, unvaccinated. He's unvaccinated. I know. Yeah, I knew about this. And I text her and I was like, oh my God, how is he? Like, I don't want him to die. But like, if we can maybe have some like a different perspective of all this after getting it could be beneficial for the greater good. Learn a lesson or two. She was like, oh, he's fine. He's barely sick. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. I was like, I don't want him to be in the hospital, but like, could he be a little more miserable to be like, hey, this is a real thing here as opposed to his like one friend who works in the medical field with an opinion about being like, well, I just don't know. It's too soon to tell if these vaccines are doing anything. Uh, My mom had COVID and like he still didn't take that as a like, we should probably get this shot. Yeah. He's okay. People at this point, they've made their fucking minds up. Oh, it's we're like more than a year into like the vaccine rollout. And like if people aren't going to do it, it's so hard, though. I have no I do have some friends that have not live in a different reality. I do know people that like cannot get vaccinated because of medical things. And that breaks my heart more because you don't have a choice in the matter. And everywhere else has a fucking choice. And they're just actively choosing to be a dick. Well, they're actively choosing to continue to spread this thing that can mutate and like be and a it's just gonna keep mutating thing. like did you hear about the flu rona i heard that was like the flu rona and then i thought i saw was, something on I facebook that i was like there's a new really. there's a new variant in france and i was like this is never gonna fucking end nope because everyone is a psycho and the amount of friends too that i had that were like traveling for the holidays and they were just like yeah my parents just really want me to come home and i'm like tell them no yeah. You're if they're not worried about their health and you have to be the one that's worried about their health, like put your foot down. Boundaries. It's, boundaries. Again, fucking boundaries. The family boundaries. I can't. I will be the first person to tell Brenda no for the rest of my life. My mother. It's I mean, look at like Joe Rogan. I know. Pull it Dude, back in the podcast. I was having this fucking I was having this was a shower thought literally today. Yeah, I shower every day. Um where I was thinking about, you know, the concept of like hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And that's true. And that's a real thing. To some degree. And like having compassion with people who have, you know, for people who have wronged you or wronged somebody Mm -hmm. and uh, believing in redemption and believing in. um, We love a character arc. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't, I don't believe in just completely writing someone off as a piece of shit if they are making an effort to correct themselves yeah of like or making an effort Um, to like be a better person but what really drives me insane is that there are so many people in the world who are just hurtful pieces of shit yeah that don't give a fuck and love their lives yes like mitch mcconnell loves his life fucking joe biden loves his life yeah like all of those people dan crenshaw ted cruz like every politician every billionaire you can think of Mm mm-hmm they don't give a fuck. And they don't lose they a don't, wink of sleep at a, night. Lose a wink of sleep. They're never going to repent. Like that, that idea, the idea that like a guy like Donald Trump 
like is secretly kind of tortured because he's such a you know he's he's so angry it's just like no he's, he's not tortured he's having a great time he just he's, has a microphone being the center of attention causing all this idiot. shit like he doesn't care and it's like and even that oh my biggest thing the most scum of the earth in me i think in this moment i'm realizing is like people that spread false information yeah like fake news yeah but like especially when it comes I think there was like some piece that I was reading that was like, here are all these things that like Americans still believe after all this time when it has to do with like the COVID vaccines. And I'm like, these have been scientifically science. Science is real. Science is so real. Have you ever met science? Science is great. Um, A real tangible thing that is proven and studies are done and experiments are done. Like people are putting the work to either prove or deny that this is happening, but even there's some wiggle room there and they usually admit it. Like, unless they're like, this is a hundred percent this there is margin for error and the people that actively choose to ignore that they're just like now yeah see that's the only time when i'm like i've had to like really walk back like my spite when it comes to like uh anti-maskers or unvaccinated people getting Mm -hmm. really sick or dying of covid yeah um because for a while like my thought was just like yeah fuck them let them die like i don't care and like part of me still thinks that, but part of me is just like, I mean, part I'm of me thinks that, that when they're was actively being an asshole, yeah. if you're going person, out of your way to be like a piece of shit sure. and putting other people in danger, when, I'm like, mm. when, when that person is a, like a fucking mouthpiece of misinformation and they are putting bad info into other people's mm-hmm. heads and getting, and they have a platform, people, which yeah. is even more dangerous than that person. Like, like all of these, I, I can't even tell you how many of these, like, like right wing radio yeah. hosts have like fucking croaked of COVID. It's, I'm sorry. It's funny. Every time I, I can only be so, uh, empathetic. You know, enlightened and yeah. empathetic when it comes to that shit. Like at, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, I, I, I'm also kind of a bastard and I'm also, I'll fight dirty and I'll, I'll piss on your grave. Yeah. It's, I have a very, yeah, that's like my scum of the earth. Is that? And like, and then people who like roofie people. Yeah. That's pretty bad. Yeah. It's, that's real fucking, that's, it's like, I don't want to put a dark tone on the, on the pod, but like, that's like a thing that's still happening Yeah, that I've heard about recently, like in 2022 of people just being like, I watched somebody put something in my drink or I had one beer and then I blacked out. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking Christ, can't can a gal just like go and have fun or like that or like scammers? You saw what happened on my Instagram mm-hmm. last week of somebody taking my information and then presenting myself as someone who does not suitable for work material, which is valid for sure. people that do do sex work. It's you make a buck where you when you can, as long as you're in a space that's safe for you and consensual. Who am I to tell you what the fuck to do? But the fact that I had like employers and like ex-boyfriends I don't talk to anymore, like reaching out to me to be like, is this you? Oh, shit. Are you on OnlyFans? Are you on OnlyFans or my pocket or whatever the fuck the thing was? And then if you press that link, it had my full name and my actual Instagram handle on it. So I was like, oh, fuck. I hope this like isn't a way to like Google this. It got taken down. Yeah. Wix was very Wix was very understanding and being like, this has been happening a lot. We took it down immediately. Like, thank you for reaching out. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. Same with Instagram. Instagram took it down. Yeah. But literally having like the reflection of at least 100 people I knew reaching out to me to be like, this isn't you, is it? And I was like, obviously, it's not fucking me if i was gonna start doing 
that work. I'd make a fucking yeah, we'd all hear flyer. About it. I would be promoting it. Like, right. and that goes hand in hand too with like the embarrassment thing where I'm like, if I'm putting myself in the center of attention, that's fine. But for somebody else to like take my Pretty, essence yeah. and put well, me on the, blast like, all the things I mean, that I know, I'm just like, oh God, the, being a woman is hard. I don't care about- The revenge porn thing, like that's one of my least, but like that's, that's, that's another thing that really sets me off. Mm-hmm. Um, Not to like, you know, again, like get on my fucking moral high horse about shit. But no, like, no it's a fucked up thing to it's do to somebody. Up. And if it's you're... insane how permissive our society is of that and how people just- get away with that shit yeah i mean and don't like at very least like get their ass beat for doing something like there's just so many so many shitty people out there yeah so many shitty people but the ones who are like spreading the fake news roofing and revenge porning i'm like you can just fucking get fucking hit by a bus and i would not shed a single tear on that day not not for them. Not for them. You are a crier, but not... I am a crier just when it's talking about my own t- brain. You're on a podcast about feelings. We're on a podcast about feelings. And I knew when Brad sent me the questionnaire of potential questions that could come up at it. But I was like, I'm going to cry on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's okay. It's good to cry. It is good to cry. Crying I'm is great. Not, I'm not much of a crier, honestly. I don't really... I know if I'm at the point where like... I feel like I'm going to start crying. I don't like to be the person that's like, we'll put it this way. I'm really quick to cut somebody off at my bar. If I feel like they're going to either start screaming or crying. If I put one more shot in front of them, I just have like this like preemptive, like, Oh, nope, we're not going to get there. And if you're going to get to that point, you got to get to that point somewhere else on your own time. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Um, and so I get to that point where I'm like, I could tell if I'm about to get overcome with emotion, especially mm-hmm. if I'm drinking, I'm like, I gotta go. That's my cue to go home. I'm mm-hmm. calling the car. We're closing the tabs. We just gotta go. But then again, I'll just like, I cry when I'm super happy too. Like I'll cry if I'm happy, sad, mad. That's my least favorite. Cause I feel like people don't take me seriously if I'm really angry and it takes a lot to get me really angry. Sure. And I will hit that point where I would like start rage crying and it almost feels like it's like I'm not taking it serious because I'm rage crying at that point. And I'm like, no, I'm so very mad. The tears are just so mad. They can't stay contained in my face. You fucking piece of shit. And then, but crying's good. What was it in the, um, the pre-interview packet that was just like, oh no, this one's gonna, oh, it was more of like, I don't know. I get really weird about, like I said earlier, I was like, my childhood was spent so much doing activities. It's Mm -hmm. really hard for me to remember things that weren't associated with that. So things like I wasn't really given a lot of guidance as a child. Like I was very much like I was the oldest. So I was like, oh, I'm kind of, and I was always independent. So I was like, I'm going to kind of go off and do my own thing and discover my own things that I'm into so like I feel like I kind of built my own moral compass of like where I stand on a lot of things because I mean like even me and my mom don't really see I mean we do and we don't see eye to eye on things and I know a lot of things that happen is like 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 mother like 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 parent like child Mm -hmm. like if they're creating if parents are creating a certain atmosphere especially when it comes to things like politics and religion can be very overbearing on children growing up if your parents are so set in these beliefs that they are instilling them into their children um like it's one thing to be like i'm going to teach my kid to be a good person amazing that's what we're striving for but if we're like i'm teaching my kid they have to hate this one specific type of person like that's bad 
And so thankfully my parents were not like that, but I was given a lot of room to kind of explore and figure out my own stuff. And then going into like public school, I kind of took more social cues off like my friends and I was like, and then that kind of gave me the room to like make my own opinions and do my own thing. But that was when I was worried about that. I was like, oh, I don't know if I have a good thing for that or like my definition of like success, which I was like, is anybody successful in the end all be all of it? I mean, success is everyone's own definition. Well, they, I mean, that's more like what the question is. Like, what do you define as success? What yeah. do you define as success? Um, I think defined as success is um, being pleased with the choices you made. And if you weren't pleased with them when you made them, having something positive that you gained from that experience. Mm. Um, or like taking something from something that happened to you, I think can be success. And it's like, oh, this didn't work out the way that I wanted it to, but I got something out out of it. You know, because right. you're not always going to be like succession. You know, I've never seen the show. I haven't either. I'm holding out. I'm, I'm holding out. Gonna, I kind I of want to do it. I do love a. I, I do love a, a Culkin, but like yeah. I'm just not there yet. I'm rewatching Twin Peaks. We talked about this. Yes. I know what I like. King of the Hill, constantly yeah. in rotation. Yeah. Success is just like whatever. Winning, losing, like who gives a fuck? I used to compete, and my mom would always tell me she'd be like, "Okay, well, we're not going to talk shit. We're not going to talk shit about anybody if we lose." And she was like, and if you're going to cry, we're going to we're going to go have a private moment. She was like, we're not going to do this in front of everybody. Like, it's not the end of the world mm-hmm. is always something that I was told. Like, how are you going to feel about this tomorrow? How are you going to feel about this the day after tomorrow? And there was like, is this still going to be sitting with you? OK, is it going to be sitting with you as strongly as it is right now? Is yeah. this something that's not going to matter in the morning? Like, That's always been something that's really difficult for me uh, is compartmentalizing feelings as like an ADHD person. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that they don't tell you about with ADHD, or at least they didn't when I was growing up was emotional dysregulation where your feelings are so huge that they eclipse your past, present and future. Yes. And that would have been handy to know. That's um, and to have some like tools to deal with that because like you can't talk to a person, like you could not talk to me when I was in my like, read out rage mm-hmm. when, and say like, is this going to be important to you in a week? Like, I, no, like, because in this moment, week. I don't care right I'm not now gonna live to next week. I'm going to kill everyone in this room and myself. Like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, that's a really, that's something I've also been like explaining. Like, cause I will like having like the past things still really sit with me is like, people are like, Oh, just like forgive and forget. Or like, let go of the past and live in the present. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, fuck that shit. I'm like, if so, if I'm still feeling real salty about somebody or if they wronged me in the past, I'm like, I'm not going to just like forget that. Or if they like really like emotionally hit me at like an emotional pressure point, I'm right. like, I still feel that, which is probably where a lot of my stuff with like dating comes anyways, where I'm like, well, I was hurt in the past because A, B and C, D reasons. So I can only assume that this person's going to do the same thing in patterns because patterns are a real thing. And I'm like, oh, fucking Christ, it's hard. But at least we can take it day by day and recognize our own patterns and our own inclinations for how we get in certain scenarios. I don't know. Hope Marama, thank you so much for being on the show. Brad Pearson, how dare you? You cried and everything. I cried. We We got it all done. We did it. You made me cry. Happy 2022. Oops. Sorry. Uh, How can people find you and your work? uh, Well, 
you can't find my not suitable for work Instagram anymore. She but she's if not you, on OnlyFans. I'm not on OnlyFans. My pocket. It was my pocket. Whatever the fuck that I've is. Never heard, of that one. never heard of it either. It's a scam. Don't put your information. Just don't give people your credit card numbers. Just don't no. do it. Um, you can find me at a bar near you. I don't know. I host a lot of shit. Uh-huh. Uh, but if you go on the Instagram, I guess Instagram probably yeah. having hope 10. That's me. Um, no underscore, no underscore, just having hope 10. That's, that's all you need yep. to know. Or like, Hey, I'm hosting here is where I sometimes put, if I'm hosting somewhere new or doing something that's bingo trivia, Related or I don't know, just Google me these days. I hear I pop up. So it is a very distinctive name. So it is a very distinctive name. Hope is not as common as you would think it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. (gasps) Thank you. Uh, Isn't she great? Thanks again. Hope Marawa for being on the show. If you live in New York, come see her do trivia. It's real funny, real cute, real sweet. Nice nice lady follow her on stuff and you know do the thing and take heed of the lessons we learned today learned a lot today what did we learn sometimes you gotta you gotta make time for yourself you gotta ask for help you gotta reach out you gotta It's the airplane metaphor. You got to put your own oxygen mask on before you assist someone else with theirs. Although if you're putting your oxygen masks on, those things actually, oh man, can you imagine actually being on a flight and those things drop down? Like at that point, like you're just going to be going, you're just going to be screaming. So, I mean, if you if you could still like keep it together and put the mask on yourself at that point, like good on you. You'll probably never tell anyone about it cause you'll be dead. But the metaphor remains, take care of yourself and yeah, take care of other people. Look, you know, I'm a socialist and all that shit. Shut up, Dottie. My dog's barking. Um, you know, I'm, I'm all about, communal help and mutual aid and I'm not individual centered but you do have to take care of number one first still music is by Shea Bartell thank you Shay. follow me at Radical Pearson on socials on the Instagram on the Twitter follow the show at self worst on uh, Instagram you can email me with uh, whatever you want send me a I don't know send me a chain letter spam my inbox bro uh at uh what was it what, what? selfworst at gmail.com right that's it god get, get, might I remind you I'm very tired I'm going to turn this off I'm going to finish editing the episode and I'm going to hopefully make it 10 paces across the apartment over to my bed and fall asleep like a person. Maybe brush my teeth first, maybe take my jeans off, but we'll see. 
This might just be a fully clothed sleep that we're going into tonight. Your boy is tired. Your boy can't do it no more. <sighs> I'm Brad Pearson. Oh, I was gonna. I was about to outro. Wait, hang on. Uh, Patreon.com/slash/selfworst. Of course, help us out. Help me not have to go to my fucking idiotic day job anymore. That's killing me. Help me achieve my dream. My mediocre white guy dream of having a podcast. Help me. That's some good you can do for the world. Join up and sign up for as little as a dollar a month. Spread the word on social media. That helps. Uh, rate and review on iTunes. You know, put me in your Instagram stories, whatever you want. Screenshot as you're listening to this episode and just be like, hey, what's up? I'm going to tag you on this and do all that stuff. You know what to do. All right. Anyway, that's all. I'm going to leave now. Uh, hey, what podcast are you going to listen to next? What's in your queue? Let me know. All right. Self-worst and cheap on You already got that. All right. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye.